Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Sorry for all the drama here. I'm not used to this, so not used to this heat either. I think it's appropriate. We're talking about the Valley of Dry Bones this morning, and I'm in a building with no air conditioning, so it's like a full body experience for me this morning. So, uh, so glad that you guys are welcoming me here this morning. My name is Tony Diekman. I am uh, one of the site pastors at Trinity. I serve at Trinity Green Trails, and uh, it is my privilege to be here. The last time I was here was when Pastor Dave was ordained. Well, last time I was here on a Sunday was when Pastor Dave was ordained, and it was just as hot then as it is today. So uh, it is really a pleasure to be with you. Don't let me going on and droning about the heat. Like, I really didn't, you know, I really do like being here. And so thank you for allowing me to be here. So today we're, we're actually opening up our scripture and looking at this well-known text in Ezekiel, probably one of the most known texts in the whole book of Ezekiel, along with that first week, if you were here the first week, that throne chariot image is probably, these two stories are the most well-known stories in all of Ezekiel. And so we're going to open up God's Word a little bit more into that text uh, earlier. But I thought I'd share with you some things about myself. You know, for most of my life, for, for the vast majority of my life, I never opened this book. Never did I open this book. And when I say this book, I don't mean this book, literally, but this book isn't that old. But you get what I'm saying, the Bible, I didn't open it other than in seventh and eighth grade when I was going through confirmation, and then it was only to memorize the scripture that I had to recite to the pastor as soon as I got there. And that was it. I never opened it. And that changed about 25 years ago when I started studying God's Word and reading God's Word and learning things in God's Word. And the more I studied and the more I learned, the more I began to regret not having opened that book sooner. You know, I've been married 37 years, and I met my wife two years before that. And the longer we've been married, the more in love with her I have become And the more than I find myself lamenting that I didn't know her when she was 16 or 10 even, or that we couldn't have been childhood friends. I I lament those years. While I know things about her, I really didn't know her then. And so I find myself wishing I could have. It's the same thing when it comes to this relationship with God that develops over years. As you get to know him through his word, as, you, as he reveals himself to you in his heart and his love and care for you, you find yourself, I find myself wishing, I really wish I'd have taken time in my younger life to get to know him. I wish I would have known him when I was 16. I could have saved my parents and myself a lot of heartache. I wish I would have known him just because of how he's come to show me how much he loves me and how much he's cared for me, even in those times where I was rebellious. And so I regret not having spent the time. Even though the opportunity was there, I didn't take it. And so ever since then, as he continues to reveal himself to us and to me, and and, and honestly, how well I know him is just probably about that much about what he's able to reveal about himself to me so that I could understand. 
But my promise is that to him is that I will spend the rest of my life trying to get to know him better. And, and so when I teach, my goal is always that, is so that we together could come to know him better and that we could understand who he is. Because when we understand who he is and we have a truer picture of him, it really helps us understand who we are. See, as we understand Him, He communicates to us who we are and how much we mean to Him. And then when we grasp that at a deeper and deeper level, it changes the way we think about other people. We think about ourselves, but how we think about others and how we treat other people. Had I had a better relationship with Him younger in my life, it would have changed the way I saw myself. I would have not labored under the delusions that I carried, and it would have really changed the way I saw, thought, and treated other people. And I still regret that today. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you would come to know the Lord your God better. Even if you don't know Him at all today, I hope you have a, a clearer picture of who He is. And, and in getting that picture, you have a clearer understanding of who you are and just how special to Him you are. And if you've known Him for your entire life and, and you've had the privilege of actually getting to know Him in a younger self, I still pray this morning that you would come to know Him at a deeper level. And so I'm going to attempt to do that this morning, and hopefully I can accomplish that with God's help. And so I would ask if you would pray with me as, as we dive into God's Word this morning. Father in heaven, we do gather in your name, in the name of Jesus, and we gather to be taught by you. You call us together from all different walks of life, and you call all different kinds of people into your midst this morning so that you can minister to us. So, Father, this morning we, we cry out to you and we ask you to be faithful to your word that if we seek you, we'll find you when we seek you with our whole heart. And so, Father, this morning together, we seek you. Reveal yourself to us this morning, and I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be truly pleasing in your sight, our God, our Redeemer, our Rock. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Amen. Well, to do that, we're going to turn to the text that you heard read earlier from Ezekiel chapter 37. And I said it's this valley of the dry bones. And I want to go through the text with you and, and kind of help us see some things and see some things that, that, that I've seen this last week as I've studied this. And so I want to share this with you. And so we read in Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 2 that the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit. And the Lord set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, this picture that Ezekiel has of this valley is, is something that would have been like puzzling to him. And it would have been something that would not have been something that a priest, which we found out earlier in Ezekiel that he was, would be anywhere near dead bodies or dead bones. It would have defiled him and he would not have wanted to do that. But yet as a prophet 
someone who's called to do and speak exactly what God calls him to do, Ezekiel is faithful. And if you've been with us through this series, and if you've read Ezekiel, you've noticed that, you know, as I heard Zach say last week, he's into performance art. And he actually prophesies with his life in some really strange, weird ways. And so this wouldn't have been strange for Ezekiel, but for the readers and the hearers that would have heard about it, it would have been really strange to see a priest walking through a valley of dead bones. And so he asked Ezekiel this question, can these bones come to life? And if you and I were looking at a valley of dry bones, our answer would probably be, oh, heck no. And, and that would have been the thought there, that there's just no way they would have come, but Ezekiel is smarter than that, right? He's smarter than that, and this is his answer. He says, well, God, only you know that answer, right? It's like, right answer, Ezekiel. That's the right way to answer that question. Always the answer when God asks you a question is like, well, I don't know. Jesus, why don't you tell me the answer to that question and let him teach us? And so Ezekiel does the right thing and, 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 and asks the question back. It says, well, God, only you know that answer. To which God says to him, the answer now, Ezekiel seeing this picture in, in these dry bones, it would have brought back a memory of Scripture. Remember, Ezekiel's a priest, and as a priest in the Old Testament, he would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. I know that's hard to understand, but he would have had it all memorized. And so, when he hears things spoken, you know, like you hear a song lyric today, and, and you'll hear a song lyric, and right away you know that, or, or a line from your favorite TV show or favorite cartoon, Eric, you would, you would like, oh, that's Bugs Bunny, or nope, that's SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's where that came from, right? Ezekiel would have had the same thing when it came to God's Word. When he would have heard it, he would have said, that's Deuteronomy. That's where that comes from. And that's exactly what he hears. He hears this text from Deuteronomy chapter 28. It reads this. It says, the Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. Now, God is talking to Moses about the children of Israel. This is about 800 years before Ezekiel. And he says, you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. God is telling Moses that these people that you're going to lead, these people that will take the promised land, they're going to continue to be rebellious, and they're going to be defeated. And their bones are just going to be left on top of the ground, and all the animals are going to pick them clean. And that's exactly what happened. If you remember last week, the news hit Babylon that Jerusalem had been raised. They, again, they, they, they'd rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. They ticked him off a third time, and finally he's like, that's it. And he marches to Jerusalem, and he raises the city, destroys the temple, destroys everything. And Ezekiel's mind would have seen that, but he would have remembered long ago God's promise and God's telling them what would happen. So why is it that I tell you this? Well, I tell you this because oftentimes when we read God's Word, we read segments and we read pieces and we try to put it together. And, and the great thing about God's Word is that it all does fit together. And some of you know this. I know that you studied God's Word here and you studied the overarching meta story of Scripture and you know how it all fits together. But maybe some of you don't. And you see that these stories that we see from long ago, from thousands of years ago, are stories that are told by one storyteller. And any good storyteller, and I believe the one that tells this story is, 
will have a story that fits together, the pieces fit together, and it'll tell one story. This story, told by over 40 authors over 1,500 years, holds together telling one story, and it all fits together. And in Ezekiel's mind, it would have all fit together. And so for our minds, we have to see this, that this all fits together. And we're reminded in this text, the reason I bring it up to you is that God is faithful. He is always faithful to his word. He says in scripture that it's impossible for him to lie. So we learn one of the first truths about God here in these opening verses that he's always faithful. And that he not only knows what, what has happened, what will happen, but what will happen in the future. And he tells us all throughout scripture and so we know God is faithful and he can be trusted. And you heard in the prayers that, you know, even when we don't see God working, he's working. He's at work today, even though we don't see it. And even though the children of Israel didn't see him, didn't understand why they were in Babylon, God was working, as we've seen throughout this text. And again, God is teaching Ezekiel. See, Ezekiel being someone who would have had the whole Old Testament memorized, may not have understood it, probably didn't. Like he could recite verse by verse and you could say, Deuteronomy 3, 2, go. And he would have it all memorized. He wouldn't have chapters, but you, you, you get my point. But that doesn't mean he knew what it meant. That didn't mean he knew what it meant for his life and how he could help others live by it. The same thing goes for us today. We can memorize great sections of scripture. We can recite chapter and verse, but does it affect our lives? Does it actually change how we see God? Does it change how we see ourselves? And does it change how we treat our neighbor? God is teaching Ezekiel as well as the children of Israel and as well as us today and anyone who will listen. God is faithful. He will always be faithful to his word. He will always be faithful to his word to you. But he goes on, and he says in chapter 37, verse 4, he says, then he said to me, prophesy, and that word prophesy there just really means be a prophet. And being a prophet is speaking what God says, when he says it, how he says it, and to whom he says it. That's what being a prophet is. He says, prophesy, be a prophet, is what he's saying, to these bones, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will, br I will make breath enter you, and I will come, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and will make flesh come upon you. And I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. There was no life in them. Do you, do you see that word spoken over and over again here in this text? In just this short section, what's God after? What's he trying to teach Ezekiel? That might, what be impossible for you to fathom is not impossible for God. For what you consider to be dead, useless, of no good, God can bring to life. God can be up to good things for things that you count as useless, as less than, or as inconsequential. 
God doesn't see things the way we see things. God sees, as we're told in Scripture, He sees the heart. We judge on the outside, right? Sometimes we judge one another as we look and we watch actions or we hear speech or we, we see the color of their skin or their address and we judge. But God sees the heart. And we judge and we'll dismiss or we'll stereotype and we'll send people away. But yet God says, I can do amazing things. I can bring these dead, brittle bones back to life. And that's exactly what he shows Ezekiel. That he brings these things that you thought were useless, that, that you thought were of no consequence, back to life. God does the impossible. He's always done the impossible. And he's always about bringing life. And when we read these words, if you know your scriptures, if you've heard those words before, that God's word speaks and out of God's word comes life. Jesus knew these words very well. In John chapter 5, this is what we see Jesus saying. Ooh. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who hear will live. For as the Father has given him life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority. Do you, do you hear the same words Jesus speaking? Jesus is quoting almost word for word in some sections Ezekiel. Reminding his hearers that the words that Ezekiel was speaking over these bones, which represented the children of Israel, Israel being brought back to life, Jesus has in mind more than just the children of Israel. The Israelites would have thought only about themselves being God's chosen people, only about themselves being God's children. And the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, would be lost. They would be less than, considered subhuman. But yet here Jesus is saying no. No, what you count as, as unconsequential, as what you count as unworthy, is worthy in my sight. And Jesus says, no, this is more than just the Israelites. This is about bringing life and creating new life in all mankind. And the power of God, his word, accomplishes that. Paul says it's the gospel that he's not ashamed of, that it's the power of God to bring salvation to all who believe. The Word of God brings life because the Word of God's power is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is reminding us of the faithfulness of God. He's reminding us that this has been God's plan all along. That He was going to bring life, not just to the Israelite people, but be faithful to His promise to Abraham to bring nations into Himself. He would do that. He would breathe life into people. 
See, what we get up in this picture of Jesus, and, and probably in our own heads to some degree, is that we labor on this illusion that when we come to Jesus or to come to Jesus, that we have to clean up our life or we have to do better things. And so we parade around or we clothe ourselves with good works and nice clothes and whatever. So we give the appearance that we're good people because that's really what, that's what it means to be in church, right? That you're good people. And so we try to conform to that image of being good people, and being good people is, is a good thing. But what Jesus is saying here, what God is saying to Ezekiel here, that that is not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead things live. We see that over and over in this text, to come to life. I will speak to you and breathe in you, and you will come to life. It doesn't say I will breathe in you, and you will become good people. Because we know they weren't good people. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not good people. But we're alive. And that was because of what Jesus has done. We're alive because of what he's done. He's breathed life into us. If you call him your Lord and Savior, his spirit lives in you. That same breath that was breathed out into these valley of bones has been breathed into you. And you live. That is the miracle. That is the thing that we should never underestimate. When we start to make it about being good people, we make God really small. Because even people that don't know Jesus can be good people. But coming back to life, being dead, who can accomplish that but Jesus? And that's what Jesus is up to. It's about bringing life where there once wasn't any. And so he's speaking to the people at that time, and he's speaking to us this morning, if we will listen, that what he is about, as he said to Pilate, is about testifying to the truth, the truth about his father that had been lost. Because what happened? They keep taking their eye off of God. They're looking at all the nations around them and desiring what the nations have. That's where their eyes are. And it's no wonder they forget the promises of God. It's no wonder that they wander off and, and seek after their own desires and, and follow gods of other nations because they've taken their eyes off of God. They've taken their eyes off his precious life-giving word where it testifies to the truth about him and to the truth about us is that we live because Jesus lives. And they were alive because Jesus breathed life into us. And then he calls us to follow him out of that life. Certainly to, to see him as a model, but first and foremost to proclaim the truth about God. And that is that God came and sent his son so that you could live. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. That he gave the most precious thing in the world for you. That's the message that Jesus is communicating to these people, but they don't hear him because that's not what they want. They want something else. Ezekiel goes on to say this. It says, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe these slain that they may live. And he goes on to finish this section by saying, I will put my spirit in them and you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. I have done it. 
something that wouldn't happen for another 50 years, God says has already happened. Why? Because I declared it so. When Moses asked God, give me a sign that you're sending me to rescue these people out of Egypt, God says to, to Moses, when you're back here on this mountain worshiping me, that will be your sign. Because I said you would be, that's your sign. We take our eyes off of God and we take our eyes off the faithful one, the one who's powerful and desires to see life not only come in you, but in those people that are, are walking around, walking corpses with no life in them. And it's not about us trying to make them clean. It's not about us trying to make them like us. It's not about us trying to make them good. No, it's about sharing them the truth that Jesus is alive and he offers you that same life and he will recreate in you a life that you are powerless to create. All of that is wrapped up in this text so we get a clearer picture of who God is and who Jesus is and consequently who we are. And that changes the way we see ourselves. Because what happens is we labor under this illusion of who we are because we don't have a clear picture of God. We either think too highly of ourselves or too less of ourselves. And in doing so, it changes and it affects the way we treat other people. We either think too highly of them or too less of them. And it's because we've taken our eye off of the one true God and what he's up to in this world. All of these words about breathing life, Jesus says, again in John chapter 5, says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. See, Jesus has a time in the future, and he's telling them and all who will listen, it's not by being good. It's by believing and following the Son of God. And when he comes, his voice will come out and everyone will come out of their graves when the Son of Man comes at the end of time because God is faithful to his word. And he will come and he will judge. And so our mission as a church is important. But we get this picture of God in this, in this text that is even older than Moses. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. When we go back into Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we see God creating man. And what does he do? He breathes life into dirt, and it lives. And we're told, from dust we come to dust we will return, but the life that he breathed in us will live forever. While our flesh will be buried in the dirt, our lives we will be alive with Jesus. The life that he breathed in us will last forever. That is how much God desires to be with you. He would go to great lengths to show you that he loves you. And he desires for you to keep your eye on him and to learn more about him and to be in relationship with him. And that happens as you spend more time in this word. He wants you to keep his eye on him because he's always got his eye on you, not because he's trying to see if you're good or bad, but because he cares for you. How often do you guys keep your eye on this little, little one here, right? How many pictures have you taken so others can put their eyes on him? His eye is always on you. You are precious to him. So are those that have yet to know him. So when you look around you into this world around you, when you see what you think are just dry bones, 
our hopeless causes, or too privileged, or, or too low to, to deem my time. Remember what God says to Ezekiel, is it possible that these bones could come to life? Is it possible that these people that you think are bad or less than or too proud, do you think it's impossible for me to do a work in their life? No. No, I brought life into you, and you were dead at one time. Just like these bones, just like these people you're pointing your finger at, you too suffered from the same problem. You were dead, but now you're alive. And so my encouragement to you this morning is do not take your eye off of Jesus. If you do not know him, I want to encourage you to keep coming and exploring because God does say, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. My desire is that you would spend the rest of your life from this day forward getting to know him, just really discovering and exploring just how much you matter to him that he would go to the lengths that he went to by sending his son into the world to die your death. The death that all of us deserved, he died for us. And he did all of that so that we could be with him. So that we could be with him. That's how much he loves us. So I pray, don't take your eyes off of him. When you look into your own life and you see dry bones or you look into the mirror and you think yourself useless, you look into the mirror and you think yourself great, remember these bones. Remember this valley. Remember who God is. Consequently, then remember who you are and let that change the way you think and see the people around you. I pray that for every one of you for Jesus' sake. Amen.